Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I'm joined once again by Christian Seelig. Christian, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure is all mine. It's great to be back. This is your second appearance, so I'm glad to have you back. We met in April back in Chicago, and now having you on quite a bit has changed since then, which we'll get into. <laughs> but I'll let, you go ahead and I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself for people who don't know. Yeah, for sure. So I'm an iOS developer from Eastern Canada. I've been doing the whole indie developer thing for almost for about 10 years now. Ever since I graduated university, I started working on kind of a Reddit app to scratch my own itch called Apollo. And I worked on that up until a few months ago. And that's my claim to fame. And on the side of that, I also work on a little virtual pets app called Pixel Pals, which has been a lot of fun to work on as well. And we'll definitely be talking about Pixel Pals in a bit. But I think today, like, the Apollo story has been in the press. We're like, what, three, two months after everything blew over? Something um, like that, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to first just talk about where'd you get the idea? Let's, because I've had you on. We've talked about this, but just for folks who don't know, where did sure. you get the idea of Apollo and, yeah, the origin story of it? Yeah, yeah. I wish I had a super original story for kind of how I come up with apps, but most of the time it's just <laughs> scratching my own itch. Like I'm just, there's something out there that's missing that I'm looking for. Maybe it's something I like I use a lot, like I used Reddit a lot. And you just want to, when you're using something a lot, you just want to have the best experience possible doing it. And as a developer, you have the means to create that reality. So for me, a lot of the stuff I create is just, I'm not completely... 100% pleased with everything that's out there, even if they're like 99% great. And it's just that little bit extra I want to maybe contribute a little bit to. Yeah, and, and that that's where I get started. And that was how Apollo started. There's um, some phenomenal uh, Reddit apps out at the time. Like there was Alien Blue was still in its heyday. And yeah, don't get me wrong. These apps are phenomenal, but it's just one of those things where software is so personal um, and everyone has a different approach to how they um, use things. And for me, I wanted something uh, just a little different and something that felt a little bit more like if Apple themselves built it, like a really iOS first and foremost Reddit experience. And that was what I set it to build with Apollo. And thankfully, that resonated with quite a few people throughout uh, like the, the initial posts on Reddit where I was previewing it. Um, and it took on a life of its own and, and became my full-time job for a long time. This in the best way, Apollo is a very addictive app. It was good. It was like, yeah, it, it was the best. Did you win at Design Awards and stuff? Besides being um, I, plugged I, as a future app for the Vision Pro, what other I got design a, awards did you win? I don't know if I actually got any award awards. I got a few, at least from Apple, I'll say. A few nice publications gave me some accolades over the years, which is really nice. And of course, it was always really cool to be in some of the Apple keynotes being mentioned there. But yeah, no no actual Apple design award yet. So we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. Yeah. So the other question that I wanted to cover was like, besides... The, what happened this year what was your biggest challenge developing the app it's honestly for me it's just like designing stuff being someone who does the design work and the programming work there's such different disciplines in that when you're programming something there's typically like a finite point where you can put a bow on it and ship it out the door when there's no bugs everything's scrolling well it's performant everything's acting as it should but when you're designing things it's much more of a, a vague kind of nebulous concept and reconciling those two things, I think, still gives me trouble to stay where there's a lot of times where I'll be trying to design something and I just can't quite nail it down. And in my head, there's like this going to be this point where it just clicks like almost like a math equation or something in programming. Where okay. Like, okay, that's it. That has to be it. But the reality is that that never comes. There's always compromises with design. Like one of the big ones with Apollo that I really struggled with was having the 
some people call it sw- uh, sloppy swiping, where you can swipe from like anywhere on the screen to go back and forth. And that's really comfortable because you got these big ass phones and you're holding them in one hand, you're you know, maybe carrying groceries or a toddler in the other. Being able to grab anywhere on the screen to go back a page, it's really comfortable. But at the same time, in doing so, you lose the ability to do any like cool gestures on like a specific post because that becomes the back gesture. So it's little stuff like that where I remember sitting with that for a while and being like, gosh, how do you reconcile that? And the answer, stuff like that I've learned is just you can't, you best case scenario you make an educated guess and and if people push back and want the other thing you just offer it as a setting and that tends to be the thing that works the best in my experience but yeah for me honestly it's been design is always the the trickiest thing to nail down and takes me the longest time and i don't think that's going away anytime soon i definitely want to ask about that later when we talk a bit about your work with swift ui but yeah because sure. i remember in the last episode you, t- you talked quite a bit about design notebooks and using those and yeah, those yeah, being yeah. a way to, to just get your ideas started and but we'll talk about that in a bit because i definitely i have a few questions about that for sure all right so let's just get into it for those who don't know i have been living under a rock <laughs> what happened with apollo and reddit Historically, I think the Reddit API was introduced in about 2008. And so you've, you've had this API, which is just a way for services like apps to communicate with Reddit and get like a two-way communication street where you can say, hey, Reddit, could you give me the post in this subreddit or the or the comments on this post? Or could you upvote this post? And it was this, this interface for talking with Reddit. And that's what API stands for, Application Programming Interface. And it was really helpful because for a long time, again, I think most of Reddit's history, they didn't have a first-party official Reddit app. So they relied on third-party apps. Um, if you wanted to browse Reddit on your iPhone beyond just the website, they relied on these third-party developers building these application experiences for iOS or Android or Windows Phone, what have you, um, using this API um, to build these experiences that people loved. Um, eventually, Reddit came and released their um, own first-party app um, after buying up one of the original third-party apps, Alien Blue. And it's, it's been smooth sailing since then. And but the, but the thing is, since it's been a mutually beneficial arrangement where third-party developers are building these Reddit experiences for users, maybe if you're not jiving with the first-party app, you have this alternate option where you can still keep browsing Reddit. Or historically, there if there wasn't even an official app, these third-party apps filled this really important space. There's this mutual, the API is free, but it, it gives both parties some really nice benefits. And... As Reddit started like tightening their bootstraps a little bit, it, it became clear that they were like maybe looking to maybe monetize the API a little bit, and they they reached out to developers. I want to say it is a little far removed now. I want to say it was late April that they reached out. They made a post and said we're looking to change the API a little bit, and then they started calling developers like myself with third party apps later and said, "Hey, we're looking to monetize the Reddit API." So insofar as like you guys generate like a fair bit of server traffic and we're not necessarily seeing like the ad revenue from when users use your apps. So we'd like a slice of that pie and you to pay your fair way. And it was honestly like, great, that's, that sounds totally reasonable on paper. And, and it's one of those things where it really had the potential to be awesome for both parties because there's been extra features added on Reddit, like Reddit chat, this instant messaging thing and stuff like that where Reddit hasn't added that to the API. So there was initially a lot of excitement about oh, like maybe if we enter in this more formal um, paid right. arrangement with Reddit, we'll also get these, these benefits. So great, that sounds awesome. And the relationship awesome. could be more stable. Exactly, yeah, exactly. We both know where both parties stand. But it's like anything, like the proof's in the pudding. What is the actual price going to be? That kind of dictates everything. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, they announced this big pricing change without having any pricing, which was, was confusing. But they ultimately said, well, we'll get it in a few weeks. And a few weeks went by. And then they ended up, I think after two months, they finally got the pricing out. And it was like 
eye-wateringly high to the extent that during the discussions over those two months, they were saying stuff like, we don't want to pull a Twitter because Twitter famously killed third-party apps a few months earlier and then made the API prices astronomically high to the extent that it just suffocated everybody but Twitter themselves. And Reddit was like, no, no, we don't want to do that. We, we're not going to pull a Twitter. We're not going to pull an Elon. And then the, the pricing they came out with was like remarkably similar to Twitter's pricing. So it was one of those things where people were saying, okay, like this is not jiving with any of your previous statements. Like this kind of doesn't make any sense. This isn't what you were saying. And they also on top of that saying, okay, and you have 30 days from now before you start getting charged for this or start incurring fees for using mm-hmm. the API. So you were hit with this one, two punch of this like astronomically high price. And like to put that to a number, like Apollo's pricing would be $20 million a year. And when the previous year it cost $0. So it was this astronomically high price that they were like saying developers have to pay or we'll turn off your API access and you have 30 days um, to make it happen. Um, and it was just like, it, it quickly, <laughs> it quickly, like, I think every developer I talked to, um, since we all were talking, um, of course, over the course of all this, um, we're, we're trying to make it very clear to Reddit, like, this is not tenable at all. Like we don't have millions, tens of millions of dollars at our disposal to still throw at this, um, especially with 30 days notice. Um, and th- this is just going to sink us. And, um, yeah, and, and that's where things deteriorated from there, where it got to the point that I don't think Reddit wanted to listen anymore and they, they were adamant and this is what it's going to be and it fundamentally i think just killed the entire third-party ecosystem as happened with twitter as well and yeah and it was weird because like, funnily enough i also talked to them the january that stuff started in april but the january i was also talking to them and they were like very adamant that hey we have no plans to change the api this year everything's good if anything it'll be in coming years and it'll be with positive changes so it was this very quick turn of events that they just started like absolutely like hammering through these changes as fast as humanly possible with little regard for like timelines or, or talking to developers or, or really anything that would indicate forethought and reason. Do you, and to, I'll just mention, they basically tried to character assassinate you and make up all yes, sorts of yes. stuff. And yeah, yeah, it seems it was... to me like, Go ahead. I'll let you. If you no, want no. To just to say, that. yeah, it, it got weirdly personal at points where it was like, like we were having these back and forth on phone calls a lot. So we were like <laughs> talking and getting to know each other. And, and I think there was this initial, I just don't think fundamentally they had done their due diligence in planning this change. So I think there was when developers started talking about these numbers, like $20 million a year, like 30 days notice, like posting these like factual statements on Reddit to contextualize the situation. There was like immediately a lot of blowback toward the administration on Reddit. And I think they were caught off guard just because for some reason they expected this to go over. And, and I think at that point, especially some of the upper management, the CEO started to take things like personally, rather than like taking a step back and viewing it objectively. And, and it got to points where, yeah, they were, there was like discussions where I was saying like, hey, if... if Apollo's costing you this amount, this nebulous $20 million a year, just acquire it like you did with Alien Blue or whatever for $10 million a year. And they somehow interpreted that as like a hush payment mafia style or something. And I very quickly squashed that and said, no, that's not the intent at all. And they apologize for misunderstanding. And you think that's that. Canadian Canadian hush money, yes. Yeah, exactly. We're very well known for shaking down (laughs) billionaire corporations. And so they apologized for misunderstanding. And I thought that was that. And then you hear through like on the moderator calls like you a moderator friend messages you and saying yeah the ceo is going on calls saying you were like blackmailing them for 10 million dollars and stuff and you're just like what on earth and like and like thankfully like canada's a one-party consent state for recording phone calls so i was like 
just and not out of any um like nefarious intent but just because no, like, just record we, keeping you on a, exactly you forget stuff no i get it yeah, yeah we had probably 10 calls over the course of those like several months so just being able to go back and be like oh, okay so this was what was said not this like you, you just lose track of things so i was saying like and i read that and i was like oh my gosh did i have a, a brain aneurysm and i somehow did threaten them <laughs> let me go back and and listen to this and it was like, no, it was exactly how I remembered. They apologized for misunderstanding the entire conversation. So it was one of the things where you post that and say, hey, look, they're trying to say some very serious accusations that are just objectively false based on a, a recording I have. And I think that was the point where they said, oh, okay, like now you want to go to war, which is it was also very confusing to me because it was a thing like if the roles were reversed and the CEO and I said like the CEO was blackmailing me and said i'll allow apollo to stay alive for a million dollars and i posted that and he had a recording saying like the complete opposite like i would very much expect him to vindicate himself and show the reality of the situation like you have to defend yourself when you're pushed in that corner especially with such like a a massive character assassination so i was confused what they thought like the what the recourse was like i was it was very peculiar and it felt like a very like the whole thing felt very unprofessional, quite frankly, for a billion dollar corporation to be engaging in. Assuming they are a billion dollar corporation, right? Yeah, maybe not in, in liquid <laughs> money, but like in terms of valuations, I think they're still at like several billion dollars. Where, and, or at least that we're at one point. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to ask what I, what kind of the feeling that I've gotten from the whole story was that A, they never had a plan, and B, the head didn't know, the foot didn't know what the head was wanting. And the head, being the CEO, doesn't know, oh, this is what we need to do for, for public a, public IPO, right? Oh, oh. we got to do this. We got to do that. And they just keep changing their mind. And who cares about Christian Siegelig's Apollo app, even though like people love it and moderators love it? Like, we'll do whatever it takes. And if he says something that sounds like hush money, there, we can get him. And then I, I feel like they were just like trying to figure out a way to... It was, like, yeah, it was very slapped together. But they didn't like, they didn't care. And it was like... Yeah, it just all felt very much like somebody woke up one day and saw like an expense, like an earnings report and said, Oh, my God, we're coming way under we need to like, make up some money here. Who do we squeeze? And and then from that conversation, they within two hours, they had to I'm obviously just speculating here, but it it felt very much like they were just like, flying by the seat of their pants and coming up with a plan very impromptu. Because honestly, the amount of times on phone calls where they said something like, oh, I'm not sure. Let me get back to you. Or to, to very fundamental questions, like things like, oh, there's all these APIs Reddit apps don't have access to. Are those on the table? And they, it would be like, oh, th- that's a thing? There aren't? Oh, let me look in. And it was kind of like, if you're talking about APIs, like how do you not know that? Or they'd say, do you know how big Apollo is compared to the first party app? And I said, I don't. Only you would know that. Like I could theorize. And they said, oh, we don't know. I was asking you. And it was kind of like, like, why wouldn't you look up that prior to the call? And there, there was all these things where it was just, it felt very much, oh my God, like I could go on it. They ended up removing ad. Apollo doesn't have ads, but they ended up blocking third-party apps from as far as the guideline goes. You no longer can display ads in your app. I remember that. Came... That was a big deal with Android folks, right? Exactly, that, because so yeah. many of them did that. And then the CEO kind of came out and said, oh, I didn't know that was such a big deal. And it was like, how did you not do the due diligence to realize that's how so many of the Android ecosystem, like that was how they made how their they money. Made money. Yeah. That's how they kept the lights on. Yeah, it, it was just, it was bizarre how many things like that, that you were just like, wouldn't that be... And oh, and the the worst thing that almost bothered me the most was that they their iOS app is like very poorly annotated for like voiceover use from people with like low vision or blindness, and it took until 
them realizing that the third party apps were doing a really good job of annotating their apps and making sure like Apollo is, has a very large blind community or had a very large blind community using it. Yeah. And they, it took them until they like killed all these apps to go, oh my God, our app doesn't work for blind people. Blind people exist. And then like the whole blind community was angry at them. And it was just like these little things where it was like, how did you not talk to a, a group or kind of formulate a plan here before executing this because it just it felt very 11th hour trying to throw together a homework assignment before the teacher notices you didn't <laughs> do the homework the night before like it was bizarre they how much of a development staff do they have i would assume oh i think have... it's i think it's pretty substantial but it's just like I, or I they guess just don't communicate because the... why yeah. would you communicate or with it's... your development staff yeah I don't know, or it's just too many cooks in the kitchen or kind of the message gets lost or what is it? But like, right. they certainly have a substantial, impressive amount of engineers. And like, I've, I've met some of them at WWDC, like the engineers and the people who work on like the apps and whatnot are like super nice, very smart people. I think it's just one of those things where like upper management just, um, is, I think they're just like siloed away and not necessarily like talking to the right people or how do we get the public the right IPO? Decisions. What do we do about the public IPO? I don't care about anything but the public IPO. Yeah. yeah that's the right. impression I got. Yeah. Would you do it all again? Oh my gosh. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Okay. Like it was, Oh no, it was like, I would do it again tomorrow. Like it was so much fun building that app. Like even today, like the Reddit community is so phenomenal. I don't hold the higher up management and maybe the highest regards, but like the, the community itself at its core is just, it's a phenomenal community. Very has a lot of, there's no more diverse area of the internet in terms of interests where you can go and find a community to talk about like basketball shoes versus the best ice skates, or there's just so, something for everything. And the, and the community is so phenomenal there and getting to work alongside them for so many years building something that I, I had so much fun building. Oh my God. Yeah. And a heartbeat. Yeah. And I mean, you lived off of it for like at least oh, like exactly. almost a decade. So oh, yeah, um, it was it, yeah, yeah, pretty much my everything. I, I think w w how many years did you get out of it? Eight. It was, I think seven were monetized. Like the first two years it was in like a, a beta where it was just free for everyone to be like figured out uh, all the bugs and got more feedback on what it was working and what wasn't. But after about two years, yeah, the initial 1.0 came out. Yeah, it was all in all. It was about nine years of like public work on it. That's a decent run for. Yeah, no, I was like I was saying. I think I said to someone else, it's almost hard to be disappointed about this because who gets to build a quite successful app for nine years alongside like hundreds of thousands of really awesome supporters who gave incredible feedback and were really passionate about the app, and that's something to be like feel very fortunate about not like kind of oh god now it's gone it's sad of course but it's holy shit not many people get that opportunity and i and i do that's not lost on me or you know could be worse you could be having a bill for 20 million dollars in api exactly calls, so exactly yeah, that, that's the worst so, case bright side um, yeah <laughs> um what uh so one of the questions i got on mastodon was people were wondering about lemmy ah. what any hope for Apollo, for Lemmy, and what would be your deciding factors for it? Or how do you come up with the decision that you have? That's fair. Uh, that's, it's a tricky decision for sure. It, it's one of those things where I think at this stage I'm good, and now that I've been like removed from it for a month, I'm excited to maybe try out a few different things. I like that Apollo went out on top what it was, and Frankensteining it together for something else isn't something I'm super excited to do at the moment. And I think it's in the same way that Alien Blue kind of maybe passed the torch to other apps. I think maybe it's like generation three now where I'm curious to see what other developers do with them. Um, let me apps and whatnot and, and then how the community grows and all these kind of open federated uh, communities do, because I think it's like a really exciting time on the internet to be an internet user and have all these services popping up that are offering such a thing. I want to ask this because the last episode we talked about third party APIs. What's like going into any new app at this point, 
what's your opinion of using anybody's third-party API and how would you be able to be like judging whether, yeah, this is stable or no, these people are going to screw me or, oh, it's federated. I don't have to worry about anything. Like, how do you make those decisions? That's a great question. I think at this stage, I'm like a little burnt. So I I think I'm almost overly cautious. So I might not be the best person to ask that because I I feel a little cagey, but I think it's one of those things where it's like... If, if it's clear that both parties benefit, I think like very much, I, I thought that was the impression that, that Reddit understood and, and I think was unfortunately lost on them that this was something that really benefited like you, especially power users to have. And so there was this kind of relationship where it, it's a give and take and both parties are benefiting and the APIs exist for beneficial reasons. And, and, and I think building for services like that, I think are a relatively safe bet, at least for a foreseeable future until maybe something changes as it did with Apollo. But even if you can have nine years of good times building for a really awesome community and building something fun, go for it. But for me, if I was to build something today, I think it would have to be, and and it was using an API in such a core capacity as the core of the app, I I think it would have to be something that was federated in, in some capacity so that there wouldn't be one central power that could just ruin everything for everybody. Right. But if it, if, but if it was like a side thing, like if I wanted to have, I don't know, YouTube thumbnails, like Apollo used the YouTube API to show thumbnails for YouTube videos when people post them. That feels pretty safe to use because if that ceases to exist, you just lose a thumbnail. So stuff like that, I'm less worried about. But stuff that's at the core of the app, yeah, I think I'd be a little cagey about it at this stage just because I I am so recently burnt. I think like something federated that's going to be open no matter what. Since the Elon apocalypse We've seen a variety of like social media apps out there. None of them, and this probably wasn't the case ten years ago. None of them have third party APIs, mm. and so like that that definitely to me like anything that's a social media app is pretty much even if they did offer a third party API, I would not oh, for rely sure. on it at this point because they want the ownership of the whole experience, ads and everything, and tracking and all that stuff. So oh I yeah, like 100%. That, the internet yeah. was much more innocent and young and exciting <laughs> in a way that like it it was people were excited to build. And Reddit especially was a very like and, and to this day is like it's a very like techie nerdy user base and I think right. that played a lot to their uh, having an API was that they were tinkerers themselves and they liked right. offering that. Yeah, I remember um, you mentioned that in the last episode. Yeah, yeah, so Yeah, it's just much more of a techie crowd so they were like more comfortable with that. Yeah, and if there's more of like the developer social media thing, then I could see maybe that having an API. Yeah, I think too, but I'd be like, pretty careful. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing is what you'll see companies do. Well, now, A, they offer the social media app. Like, this, like Threads does not have a web inter- app, right? iPhone. So they like go whole hog, and that's what they focus their development on. But then the other thing is like, unless it's something that you can, it's an API that you can somehow no longer need and do it yourself. I don't know what that means exactly, but let's Mm. say you have some API that does transcription and you rely on a third-party API. Eventually, you could just be like, screw it, I could just use machine learning locally and just do it. Or a different provider. Yeah, that's always a a possibility as well when it comes to a third-party API. Oh, for sure. I think you just have to... it, It would be sad to live in an age of the internet where nobody relies on anyone else or talks to anyone else just because everyone's so afraid of each other. So I think there's... It's understandable to have some sort of skepticism, but it's good. That's the beauty of the internet. Everything talks to each other. And I think relying on that to a certain extent is totally fair. Just make your choices calculated. Yes. Yes. Put. I wanted to ask you this. What do you think of ChatGPT? Honestly, like it's such a, 
it feels seeing the Wright brothers put something up and then yeah yeah and then being like what do you think of airplanes like it's such a it's so young that I almost don't have a fully formed thought about Mm -hmm. what it means or what it can do I will say some of the stuff it can do and some of the stuff like mid-journey can do is just is mind-boggling and fundamentally really helpful like the other day I was like trying to do something where I was like the app store was returning like country codes and I was like oh it'd be really nice to have that as just like the country flags emoji and I was like started going down the list and just like manually converting them and I looked and there's like 150 or something and I was like surely like chat GBD can just do this and yeah sure enough it just three seconds later it had the entire like swift dictionary mapped and stuff like that, I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> and I don't feel like that's threatening me as a developer in the same way like a, a nail gun didn't threaten like a, a carpenter who used a hammer typically. Like it's, I'm like, I, it's a really weird thing for me to like um, kind of speculate on because I think it's really cool. It can potentially be really scary. I don't think I'm as quite as, oh my God, like I have six months left of programming before my job's replaced as yeah. like waving the flag like some people are. But I do see the fear and how powerful they're getting and and how that can be scary. So it's definitely going to be an interesting few years in terms of where stuff like that and deep fakes and mid journey and just all this AI stuff is going because it really feels like three years ago, this was like not a topic we were having and now suddenly it's all anyone is talking about. I think it's Um, definitely a good replacement for a spreadsheet. Like I would have done the country code stuff in a spreadsheet. Oh, but like any like advanced code, I usually run into a brick wall. Or like podcast titles, honestly, I've used that a few times here and they kind of are very formulaic after a while. And it's, yeah, it's just those formulaic ones that I I think that especially that there's almost like a lot of repetitiveness with it. I I think that's where like, I'm I'm really excited to have it as a tool because like one of the dumb things I did in Apollo was I had separate it's for whatever reason when you create them, um, you're stuck with like the capitalization you stick with. So if you created the subreddit ask reddit and you capitalized the a and the r so it looked pretty good bob's your uncle if you were dumb like me and just wrote apollo app in all lowercase that's how it displays in the app you can never update that so one of the things that drove me crazy with apollo was you'd be scrolling through the feed and you'd see this like everything lowercase and sometimes i was having trouble like maybe i'm just dumb but knowing like where each word was so mm-hmm. as I, I started the painstaking process of like, i just had like, a, a p list where i was like okay ask reddit like all lowercase maps to capital a and so whenever it saw a subreddit in the app it would do a find and replace yeah, for yeah. the properly human capitalized version and gosh i probably did this six years ago and it and it was like literally thousands of subreddits that i just did like a hundred a night for a month and it, it was honestly fun it was just watching tv and just slowly going through it and i didn't <laughs> mind it too much but i went like the other maybe like a year ago i went on chat gpt and just pasted like a hundred of the raw ones in and it just absolutely killed it like it, it got every single word capitalized properly like even ones that like i had to go to the subreddit just i can't think of an example off the top of my head but ones that like maybe it's ask to and you're like you don't know if that's like to is in toronto so both should be capitalized or it's ask to something like all these things that i had to go to the subreddit to get the context for or it wasn't immediately clear to me and i had to guess it just it knew the context of and it just capitalized it perfectly and that was was like holy crap like this stuff would be so handy yeah it's Uh, like the busy work stuff yeah like that would have saved me like yeah, like 12 plus hours of work. Um, and, and it probably would have done it in like under a minute. Yeah. And it, yeah, it um, boggles the mind. Any thoughts on subscriptions? Because that was a big thing. It was like how we're getting screwed because you have annual subscriptions oh, that yeah. you still have to, like people could ask for refunds. You want to explain yeah. the issue with it? Yeah, yeah. So so basically, the gist of it is if, say, January, you subscribe to some magazine for a year and you say, okay, I want their subscriptions for 
I want a magazine a month for a year. I um, mean, you pay for that year up front. It's 10 bucks. And then say March comes along and the magazine says, oh, or we've gone bankrupt. We don't exist anymore. I guess in the real world, in that, in that context, you probably just lose your money. Um, in the iOS world, Apple is a, a really nice middleman. Um, and, and I don't mean that sarcastically. They're nice in that they, they, they're very good at protecting consumers. And they say, okay, this app went away, uh, but it can no longer provide the remaining, say, nine months of service it promised you. Um, when you paid that $10. So you have nine months left. So we'll give you nine over 12 is 75%. So we'll give you 75%, like whatever was remaining of that $10 back because they were unable to fulfill that. So if you have say, so that's $7.50. If you have say 10,000 subscribers, like that suddenly 75 grand or say a hundred grand that you were paid all in January all at once. And then suddenly you're getting a bill for that. Hey, Apple, give us that 75 grand back, which is like uh, devastating okay. as like an indie developer, because it's not like you went and all you went to the casino and everything or spent it, but like you, you have like ongoing costs that maybe you, you put that toward right. and, or you put it in savings or what have you. And then suddenly it's all being clawed back like this money that you thought you had. And that can be like very devastating. And Apollo had that issue where it was like literally that, where there's a lot of people who maybe, a few months before everything went down, paid for a year up front. And then Apollo was suddenly unable to give that because Reddit was effectively shutting down the API. Apollo through Apple would have had to refund any the, the prorated amount remaining on your subscription. And that was where Apple is awesome, like really nice to work with. They were, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to work with you and you can add like an option in your app where a user can say, hey, I'm a really nice person. I don't need that refund. I feel I got my money's worth with Apollo. You know what? Don't worry about it. So if they had that $7.50 left, they'd just say, call it a wash. Don't worry about it. And that was a really nice option because every single one of those person who did that was basically money I didn't have to pay back. So yeah, so I guess that's the explanation. It, it was it, it was one of those things where it was costly, but it was one of those things where it's also not much you can do either way. Did you, like it's kind of hard um, to escape. How did people handle Did most people handle that pretty well? Yeah, oh yeah. People were very generous with them. With Yeah. Like I, yeah. I was very happy with how people acted. It seems, do you think there's a better solution that Apple could implement when it comes to subscriptions for that? Did you talk to uh, them? Because I, we all know like the tweet, I did, tweet yeah. bot folks and stuff had run into the same issues. Yeah. And ago. honestly they were phenomenal too. I was talking to like Craig and Paul and they gave me like a lot of advice and even shared code with how they, they handled it on like the kind of systematic side. Um, they were phenomenal help. Apple was like phenomenal help. I had like calls with them, um, lots of emails back and forth, with, um, how to do things. And they were very kind and apologetic that this was happening. Not like it was their fault, but they're like sympathetic would be the word. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and they were phenomenal. And in terms of anything they could do differently, honestly, not really. Like it's just, that's just how the system works. If the developer wants to offer a yearly subscription, they have to be able to follow through with that. Yeah. And if they can't, that's like where Apple stays comes in as the middleman of the platform and where kind of being the the middleman between developers and the user, that's like a big benefit for users that they can be protected in that capacity. And yeah, outside of, so yeah, no, I, I don't think there's really anything Apple can do, nor would I really want them to. Like it, it was just okay. an unfortunate situation for everybody, right, I right. suppose. What were some of the features you wished you got in before the end of Apollo? Uh, got so many. Um, I guess three three I can think of off the top of my head was uh, the iPad app. It still had a decent amount to go, but I, I was so happy with how that was coming. Um, it had this cool, like I, I teased the picture on Twitter, but it was basically like this cool multi-pane layout that took a lot more advantage of the screen real estate the iPad had to offer. Um, 
And I was really excited to get that out. And it felt very much kind of like, if you remember Twitter for iPad way back in 2011, yeah. that multi-pane, like very gestural UI. I was really excited to, to get people to play with that. And a lot of work went into that. So it was, and I learned a lot. So it's not all for loss, but it was, I was sad to see that not make it out. I had a, kind of like a gallery feature where you could view a subreddit more picturally, for lack of a better term, so if it was like, very media heavy. Instagram? Yeah, yeah, exactly. YouTube, so it would be like, yeah. yeah, so you could go in and just blow the subreddit out um, and just view all the thumbnails and whatnot and dive into them. And, and that was a really nice way to view some like picture heavy or video heavy subreddits. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing like that I put a lot of work in, and I still might do a blog post on sometime because it was a lot of trial and error, was getting like a cloud syncing system working where um, if you okay. read one post on your iPhone, like it would sync that you read that post to your iPad or certain like preferences, like okay. what theme you have enabled. Because that was one of those things that was like, it, it's, I had so many users be like, why don't you just enable that? It, it must be so easy. And it's, it is so difficult to get rid of so right. many so many things that can go wrong with cloud yes. syncing and getting Especially that multiple working. devices. Yeah, exactly. And that was one that I had a, a solid amount of work done and would have been really cool to see make it out the door, but it also would have been a really stressful one just to make sure I didn't do something colossally wrong. So maybe I'm glad I didn't have to <laughs> deal with the stress of that, but your backend's uh, Ruby, right? No, actually, it might have been at one point, but it, it's mostly Go now. And yeah, I liked Go because it, it was pretty similar to Swift in a lot of ways. Um, and it was very fast. Um, and it was compiled, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and, and by the end of it, I wasn't <laughs> writing any of the Go myself. I had someone who used Apollo reach out to me on Twitter and was like, his name's Andre, and he was super nice. Um, and we ended up working together probably like the last year and a half, and he ended up like doing all the server stuff, and it got so much further and faster. Um, and that was the other th- great thing about Go is that it, it's... I'm sure like Ruby, but there's there was there's no shortage of people who are really good at it. I think Andre was a cut above even a normal good person, but it was... Um, his expertise yeah, was Go. Yeah, exactly. He was yeah. I when I met him, he was working on Amazon at Amazon and some of like the back end stuff. So he was like a super talented guy and still is. And we still work together on stuff. But it was one of those things where it was just so nice to have I'm more of an iOS developer. I'm not like the back end stuff was me feeling around in the dark. And having somebody who would come in and handle that who actually knew what they were doing <laughs> was just like, oh, so nice. So much. Yeah, stuff. especially as a designer, like you don't want to yeah. have to deal with no, database maintenance and crap. Yeah. All right. Fun stuff. What are you working on now? So the main thing I'm working on now is I've been doing a lot of work on Pixel Palace for iOS 17 because there's a lot of good, like, um, goodies <laughs> uh, for iOS 17 around, like, a lot of the new widget stuff um, that, I'm, that I'm really excited to play around with because it feels like something that's almost born for Pixel Pals and, and having some fun there. Um, outside you were of saying that, something about, like, interactive widgets being a big... Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where that's something I would have loved to have had, like, the Pixel Pals 1.0 launch is being able to interact with them in some capacity when they're, like, mm-hmm. in the widget state or in the live activity state and the fact that you can do that now on ios 17 and, it, and it's really powerful is I've, i i don't have all of it implemented but there's just so many like fun little ideas for little stuff that i'm really looking forward to building and, and playing around with so uh, yeah that's um like in a it's terrible to say but in a way it's almost nice that everything happened with apollo because i get to put so much effort into this other thing which right. is a good way to to for me to look at it on the positive side green app is always easier and more fun when it first starts off than exactly yeah, yeah. around for 10 years i'm sure yeah the code base has a lot less technical debt in some areas too which yeah. is nice it's like all swift ui it's all very modern i wanted to so going back to what you had talked about earlier about design and notebooks and things like that so you've obviously i think when you first started off i would assume you did Objective C and UI kit yeah. on the first versions, and now you're doing, especially with widgets, you have to do Swift UI. Swift UI and design, how do you feel as comfortable? Are you like, 
do you feel more restrained? Or are you just like, screw it, I'm just going to put this in a UI view representable and I don't and do actually it that have way? a lot of those. That's a good question. I, I think I do find myself more limited in Swift UI just because there there are limitations versus UI kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. uh, but I don't think every year it gets less and less, and, and it's to the point now where I don't think it's anything egregious, and I don't feel like overly limited. There's just a few okay. areas where once in a while where I will just be like, for me, the way I have Pixel Pal set up is it's all Swift UI, but the the life cycle is still the old school app delegate and everything. So I still have mm-hmm. okay. it's all view controllers. Oh, um, yeah, so yeah, if yeah, I do I need you. to do something in UI kit, it's easy enough to just be like, screw it. I'll just do this screen in UI kit. It's not the end of the world. So I have that nice flexibility. So I don't feel too limited, but Swift UI has been able to do 99% of the things I want to throw at it. With Apollo, it was trickier because so much of it is, it's this massive scroll view basically at its core. And that's, yeah. scroll views are one of the areas where even to this day, Swift UI is a little rough at in terms of moving right. you around and knowing where you are and, and whatnot. And even just being like as performant as UI kit is in terms of scrolling frames per second. So that was an area where I would have loved to have taken Apollo. Um, and maybe given a few more years, I would have been able to, but that was all UI kit and would have stayed that way for probably quite a while. But all the, like the little side screens, like if I was doing like a new paywall screen or if I was doing like a screen where you could edit your notifications, like that would all be Swift UI just because it was so much faster and so much easier. But I, but as far as the design perspective goes, I still, I've graduated from like a notebook to I do mostly like iPad, like I'll draw on like the notes app or something versus like a pen and paper. But then, yeah. Oh, because I, I just found I didn't like, like there's the tactility of a Pencil is beautiful, but just having a big stack of notebooks in the closet was getting annoying. Not being able to reference them if I was uh, like okay. away for the weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not being able to analyze, be like, oh, I know I wrote this string somewhere. Like, how do I find that? Okay. Just all the, the short sides of manual input. So I think up. last summer, like I started doing design notebooks. And what I did was I wrote it in a notebook and then I just took a picture and put it in. Like I use bear for notes and then uh, I would just attach yeah. the picture to a note like that's yeah yeah i found some nights i would go through 15 pages though and i just like i knowing myself i would not have the discipline to go back and take 15 pictures i just it would (laughs) not have happened (laughs) and it's one of and it's it's nice being able to like undo something that you didn't like how it came out or grab it and resize it and move it around it's once you get past the initial lack of control maybe versus a a pen and paper there's so many nice benefits that i'm pretty happy with it but beyond that like i'm I was just going to say, this is what middle school Leo learned early on is why he started doing word processing instead of writing his exactly. essays. It's just like, save, hand. undo, all that crap. You can't do that on paper. Yeah, I get no. it. That, no, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, you don't see too many people handwriting essays anymore, which I guess is the same thing. But yeah, but I, but beyond that, I, I still I'll go to Figma after that. I, I still haven't quite got to the point where like I'll go right to Swift UI to like design, design it because I still find I'm a little faster and able to iterate a little faster through like... Okay. Figma or something by just like having the preview app open on my iPhone and just dragging something. There's no compilation. I can just, I don't get attached to anything, but I know there's some people who are probably even faster than me just doing it in pure Swift UI. So it's definitely more of a personal thing than anything, but it's, yeah, I have that three pronged approach, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I think did Apple do a talk on that this year where they're like design in Swift UI. I forgot. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. It it honestly is great for that. Yeah. 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 So let's, Anything else from DubDub this year that you really sparked your interest? Uh, there's probably a ton if I if I was more diligent and looked through the videos. But like for me, so much of the stuff is I am almost like always perpetually one DubDub behind because so much of the stuff is like, oh, it's great if you're iOS 17 only. But I'm I'm. You're an like indie app developer. Behind. You don't even work for a big company, and you worry about that. 
It normally stick like one version behind okay. because like it would be nice. To, like statistically in my apps, I find like by like October, November, if the new iOS came out in September, like you're at least at 50% of the user base on the new uh, version of iOS by then. But I don't know many businesses, small or large, who are just happy to lose half of their customers on that, like on that day. So right. I normally wait until like it reaches about 90%, which, which truly honestly only takes until maybe December. april yeah. yeah for my apps i find like apollo was very quick pixel pals is a little more general audience so it's a little slower but and it depends if they dropped any like major iphones like it wouldn't surprise me if ios 17 is a little slower because they dropped like the iphone 10 which is like a pretty beloved phone so i, I, I could see people holding on to that a little um so we'll see but yeah like stuff like like the new swift data like i'd love to play around with that but i just don't see myself going ios 17 only for the near future oh is it yeah okay every beta it's like a roll of the dice let's see which what (sighs) they're gonna break this time so oh good okay okay Um, so maybe it's good to have it yeah sorry no 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 that's 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 very valuable information but (laughs) and and honestly that's one of the nice things about waiting like a year is you get these things ironed out a little bit which which is really handy um but yeah outside of that i'm I'm almost looking more at the ios 16 stuff and with UI, like the view that fits modifier, um, which mm. I find like super handy. Being able to use that full time, like some of the new app intent stuff that started on iOS 16, like all that stuff, I'm I'm really excited for because now I get to use it like fully. But yeah, I'm and of course like for Dub Dub, like the Vision OS stuff looks really exciting. But it, it's one of those things where it's there's no actual date for it yet, and the date which is like early early 2024, for- that's for the US too. So I'm in Canada, so who knows when we'll get it, but. I'm excited for that, but it, it's it's a little bit of a wait and see situation where we're not like wait and see until it's out for six months and then build something, but it's kind of like, I, I, I want to see more of their plans for what they're hoping to do. And maybe if I can get a developer kit to play around with, but did I'm super for excited one? for that. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have some ideas for it that I'd really love to play around with, but it's, yeah, I'm just curious to see where that, where they go with it as a platform and with all this development stuff. Have you been doing anything with Swift package manager? I've been like I use that exclusively versus CocoaPods or anything in Pixel Files, and I've okay. been looking to do more. I forget who I saw on Twitter doing it, but just like the being more modular with your project in terms of breaking it down into like packages or frameworks or what have you. If anything, just to increase like the the portability of the little modules of the project is nice, but also just UI preview times sounded really yes. cool. I was looking more into that. That's maybe yeah. we'll talk about that offline because yeah, yeah. Thoughts. Oh, yeah. good. Okay, perfect. <laughs> What else did you want to talk about? Any um, big challenge? Any what's coming out with Pixel Pals next? Or um, hopefully for iOS 17 day one, I'll, I'll have some juicy interactive widgets in some capacity. I'm not 100 percent sure completely what form that'll take, but I think I'll have some really fun stuff for that for day one. Outside of that, I have some other kind of stuff swimming around in my head for ideas, but I'm very one-track minded in that I know if I start planning anything else or digging into anything else, like the Pixel Pals stuff in the short term will suffer. So I'm kind of like, yeah. okay, get that out the door, step two. And this is why I did not apply for a development kit for the Yeah, <laughs> that's probably a, a fair point as well. <laughs> Christian, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people oh. find you online? Um, I'm at Christian Seelig pretty much everywhere. I'm on Mastodon, Threads, Twitter. Yeah. That's, and that's my website too so it's, it should be pretty easy you're to find forgetting, you're forgetting another social media platform or do we not mention that anymore reddit <laughs> yeah. oh I, I honestly don't really you like i i'll check my city subreddit once in a while but no i don't are you think, serious yeah yeah do, like okay. in terms of that being a lot or a little no, no, but that I'm just I don't even check Reddit anymore since Apollo's been done. done so <laughs> oh, I'll be it's, with you. 
I, I don't really check it like compared to what I used to check it. No, not at all. But like, there's once in a while there's some stuff going on in my city that I just like, to poke my head in on. But but yeah, I'm definitely that Reddit would not be the best place to find me right now. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> not out of any shade, just out of practicality, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Christian. I really appreciate it. It's good oh, to see you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. People can find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion. My company is Bright Digit. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And if you're listening to this on a podcast player, a review would be helpful. If there's anything you want to talk, come and talk about. Have a new product or have a new API you want to dive into. Got a book, a talk, whatever. Let me know. I'd love to have you on. Thank you, everybody. And I look forward to talking to you again. Bye.